Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of A Good Drop. This week, like every week, we're going to talk about a different kind of drink. Yeah, and uh, this particular week, it is back to red wine, specifically mm. Malbec. The darkest of the reds. Mm. Well, the darkest of the noble reds. Yes. But uh, stay tuned to find out more. I'm Stu. I'm Michael. Cheers. Cheers. glasses of a fantastically dark red. Yes, it is the Dreambird Murder in the Dark 2016 Malbec. And uh, it's, an, it's an incredible it's an incredible purple color. Like almost a purpley red as opposed to a um a, like a pinky red. Yeah, it's very burgundy sort of in appearance. But it, it makes sense. It is a purple grape variety. That's it. The grape looks very purple when you see it on the bunch. And um, it's known for its inky color mm. and robust tannins. Yeah. So, well, let's let's quickly talk about the dream bird. Mm, yes. So, uh, it's actually grown in Ferguson Valley in Western Australia. It's a WA wine. Yes, it's a WA wine. I almost, I almost thought it would be too cold to grow well in WA. Well, most of the wine-growing region in Western Australia is is in the southern section near, yeah, near Perth, and, uh, Fremantle. And this is no different. The Ferguson Valley is near Perth. Yeah. But uh, there, they ferment it in large open vats. Open vats? Open vats. Interesting. And they say that helps preserve the elegant fruit character. And yeah, they describe this wine as having flavours of plum and mulberry with a hint of chocolate overtones. Yeah, you can smell the plum, actually. But but to be fair, plum is plum and mulberry are part of the Malbec repertoire of smells. Yes, absolutely. So that that's nothing new really. Or well, nothing nothing special. Yeah. Though uh, since you mentioned uh, climate it like with a lot of grapes, it does have a huge effect. Oh yeah, on on the flavor like, and the like climate, every, like every grape. Yeah, so um, well, not just the climate, but also the harvest time. So if it's harvested before it's fully matured, it ends up being more fruity. A cool climate can cause a raspberry flavor, with a colder climate causing it to taste more like cherry. An ambient climate leads to a flavor of plum, and a warmer climate. Blackberry. And it is grown in all of those regions. So for the, the cooler climates, you'll expect to see it in Cahors in France, uh, in Patagonia, uh, and in Washington, USA. Yeah. And those warmer climates, you're looking at, you're looking at Mendoza in Argentina because, uh, as we'll get into later, it's become sort of a national drink for the Argentinians. Yes, which is uh, interesting. So I guess we need to go back to the beginning before we get to the present. Yes. Because, of course, this particular varietal of grape does originate in cohorts in the south of France. 
Hmm. That is where it is natively from. And it is still growing there in uh, significant amounts. But that was, once upon a time, the only place it was growing. Mm. Until the, the frost of 56. Yes, in 1956, the region was hit by a frost so cold and harsh that it killed 75% of the crops. Wow. And yet Malbec likes cold, likes cool, but it can't handle it too much. I don't know of any grape variety that actually likes frost. No, it doesn't like frost because that, that's too cold. Yeah. It's icing up the edge, icing up the, the vine itself. And that that kills it. Yeah, and it did. Mm. And as a result, they began growing it elsewhere. People tried to make up for the drop-off because with so few vines, it just couldn't. they couldn't produce enough. Mm. And at that time, Malbec was largely being used for blended wines. Mm. Uh, well, and it still is. But as the, the years went on, uh, wine growers discovered the, the nuances of the, the Malbec grape and have started making more and more uh, Malbec-only varieties. Yeah. So while you will still find it mixed with Merlot and Cab Sav, you can also find it by itself. Which is what we have here. We, Which, yeah is, yeah, is what we have here. You, you made sure we had a Malbec-only yes, variety. a 100% Malbec and the interesting thing about Malbec is that um, it's a thick-skinned grape, which is why the frost has such a heavy toll on it, because it needs more sun and heat to mature than other grape varieties. And uh, it ripens mid-season into that deep color that you'd immediately recognize if you saw it. Mm. But of course, the frost on a thick-skinned grape like that that needs the heat to affect the center of it, it's, yeah, just going to destroy it. Yeah. And um, so the very first place that it began growing after everything went pear-shaped in France was Argentina. And uh, Argentina is now the largest grower of Malbec. As of 2017, they were growing 76,000 hectares in the cities of Mendoza, San Juan, and Salta, in the regions of Mendoza, San Juan, and Salta. Right. And so, because of that, Argentina is actually the, as I mentioned, largest grower of that variety, pushing France into second position, with 15,000 hectares growing in the southern regions of France, in the Bordeaux region. Yeah, because France still has to produce, or the more specifically, the Cahors region of France has to produce at least seventy percent. Like the seventy, it has to produce at least seventy percent Malbec of that re- from that region. So, let me rephrase that. So, it seventy percent of the wine has to be Malbec from the Cahors region because of the uh, Appellation d'Origin Contrôlé, the AOC. Yeah, that like not it. Not only does it work with work backwards with names, it works forwards from the vineyards, which I didn't know until researching this. Ah, hmm. and of course, as well for any Bordeaux wine, which is a blended red wine, it has to be made using reds from the Bordeaux region of France. Hmm. 
And Malbec falls under that category. Yeah, so it has to be from that region if it's going to be included in a Bordeaux wine. Hmm. Which I haven't had yet. That's probably something we need to do an episode on. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Bordeaux wines, because there's a variety of blends come from that region. Well, it's, it's fantastic because it's a different, it's a particular style they're going with. Yeah, and there are six different styles of Bordeaux wine, I believe. But stay tuned for that episode. I'm getting yes. excited about it already. Yeah, so while we're talking about growers, though... Well, let's talk about other other places that are mm, producing it, that's, since we're talking about places. Yep, exactly what I was heading towards. Oh. <laughs> is the USA is actually the third largest grower, yeah. growing uh, 3,400 hectares in California, Washington, and Oregon regions, mostly. Mm. And uh, Chile is the next largest grower, growing 2,500 hectares in the Colchaga, Curico, and Cachapoal regions. Yeah. And let's not forget Australia, where, which, is the wine we're drinking, which is where the wine we're drinking now is from. Yes, we are tied in fifth place with South Africa, growing 1,100 hectares. Hmm. And uh, while the majority of our Malbec comes from South Australia and Victoria. Obviously, it is also grown in other regions, like this one we're drinking from Western Australia. Mm. And uh, finally, the smallest grower of Malbec (laughs) is New Zealand, with 200 hectares growing in the Gisborne and Hawke's Bay regions. I thought you were going to say, like, two vineyards. (laughs) Well, it probably is two vineyards. Uh, Is it? Well, probably. I, mean, <laughs> I suppose it is a small country. Yeah, I mean, two, 200 hectares isn't a lot, and a vineyard could be 100 hectares. True. If it's a big vineyard. That's true. That is true. So, uh, let, let's talk about some names for Malbec, because it's not always called that in all regions. It It's only called Malbec in the Bordeaux region in France. It's called Ozera or Côte Noir in the Cahors region. I looked up the pronunciation. That's how I nailed it the first time. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's also called Pressac in other departments of France. And there are some who say that that name came about from the first person who discovered that varietal of grape. Malbec? Yes. Well, it, it's produced by... It was... One of the yeah, one of the first um, couple of vineyards was a guy called Mister Malbec. Yeah, and yeah. The, but there was another one named Prasac. Mister Prasac. Yes. Yeah. And some say that's where the names come from, but it may not be. It could be from something entirely different. Who knows? It could have been the other way around. Yeah. The the these guys were so uh, so fan- so great at producing these two. Or these this variety that they took on the names, so or they they were colloquially known as Mister Malbec and Mister Pressac. Yes, Mister Pressac's grapes. Yeah, and everybody wanted to get their hands on Mister Pressac's grapes. Oh my god! <laughs> um, well, speaking of growing, uh, Malbec is a challenging grape to grow. Because it's it's quite quite susceptible to things like uh, rot, mildew, 
what's called coulier. It's ba- basically a that that I had no idea about, but it's a a, a feature of uh, of vines conserving carbohydrates. So mm. if it's too cold, they just don't produce grapes. The flowers don't bloom, and the and the grapes don't produce. Right, which kind of explains why Australia is the perfect place to grow that sort of thing because it gets cold, but it doesn't stay that way long. No. So the flowers stay closed and therefore don't get fertilized, so the grapes don't get produced. And so the plant's like, hooray, I survived another season. I'll wait till next year. And uh, wine grow- winemakers are like, no. Murdered. <laughs> Damn it. Yes. Um, I found that was fascinating. Like, yeah. No, it's, it's it's interesting that some varieties just grow. You could drop a grape on the ground and you'd have a vine there next week. Yeah. And others... <laughs> others are like, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, they'll fight you for it. They yeah. don't want to... Yeah. I don't want to be there. Um, the the other interesting thing I discovered about Malbec is that it can't produce... If you produce too high a yield, it loses all its flavor. So you need to try and keep the grape yield small. Mm, and some of them actually do that by not growing on trellises and instead letting them grow along the ground. Mm, weird. Like throwing all sorts of tradition out the window. Yeah. <laughs> Because, of course, if they can't grow upwards, it can only grow across ways. Yeah. Then they can't grow as much. That's it. That's it. Ah, uh, so, shall we... I think it's about time. Yes, we've been letting the wine air all this time. Mm. So now... I'm keen. The, yeah, let's taste. Chink. All right. Ooh. Oh, it smells better. Mmm. I haven't even tasted it yet, but it smells much better than when um, when we first poured it. Yes, yes, it does. Having uh, having had that time to air out, it's got some fantastic notes to it. Oh, it doesn't taste as nice as it smells. <laughs> So, mm, sorry, I was a, I was a bit let down by that. Well, it's got a very, and the the smell is it's sweet and fragrant. Yeah, but it's it's a full bodied red, and it tastes like a full bodied red. Yeah, it just it's, it doesn't the the smells you can smell don't have any don't have any any uh, presence in the taste. Yeah, like I can smell plum and mulberry. But I don't taste them. I just taste like tea and I mean, just like old old tea, I guess. Oh, well, I'm getting like spice and fruity notes. Really? And, yeah. I'm not really getting that. Spice and fruit sort of on the mid to back palate. And I, I mean sp- I suppose there is a bit of spice, but I'm not really getting much out of this. And heavy heavy tannins. Mm, for sure. And very fleshy, full mouth feel. Yeah, I definitely agree with those, but I just don't... Um, 
I'm just not getting much out of this one. Yeah, I think this is a better pairing wine than mm. something for drinking by itself because we we had a 2017 Malbec a few days ago paired with cheeses. We did. And paired with um, smoky-flavoured cheeses, the flavours complemented each other beautifully. Yeah, and it worked quite well. Uh, yeah, with a, paired with a smoky mozzarella and a... Uh, an earthy gruyere. Mm, and an, an earthy gruyere, yeah. It was yeah. a fantastic pairing, worked beautifully. I, I don't think um, this is the same flavoured wine, though. Like, it doesn't have the same mm, notes to it. Well, it's, it's a different year. Yeah. I don't know, it was 20, 20, it's a 2016. It's was, a 2016, was, and that one was a 2017. Yeah, but was 2016 a good year for Malbec? Do you know? Well, and was it a good year for Malbec in Western Australia? Mm. That's, that's, that's the, the real question. question. I don't know, it just doesn't taste as flavourful as the 2017 one did. Yeah, perhaps we haven't let it sit long enough. Or perhaps we let it sit for too long. Yeah, it's it's confusing because the 2017 was fantastic and I wanted to open another bottle and drink it again, but I didn't have another bottle. I only had this one that we were mm. saving for this very episode. For this episode. But this, I don't know, do you, would you agree that it doesn't taste the same as the 2017? Mm, I, I would agree that it doesn't taste the same, but potentially as well, that, well, I think it's very likely that it doesn't taste the same because we didn't cleanse our palates. We did. Oh, we last had, year. Last yeah. Oh, sorry, well, last week. Yeah, because we had been eating cheeses. Yeah. And we were immediately drinking it on top of the aftertaste of those cheeses. Mm. And so we got those complementary flavors working together straight away. True. True. Okay, it's rolling. Yeah, so it's it's not bad this 2016 it's just not as good as we had expected the 2017 Mm. was fantastic it really was and i thought this would be better because it's a year older yeah but But maybe it's just past its greatness it, it might be that it might be that we had those flavors in our mouth that were complementing it and Mm. It might just be that 2016 wasn't as good a year for Malbec as 2017. Maybe. There's, there's so many factors. And, yeah, it's not bad. It's just not great. Yeah, it's it's not as amazing as I was hoping for, mm. but it's still good. And yeah. if you can find the 2017 Dreambird yeah. Malbec... Get that. Get that. It is fantastic. Pair it with the smoky cheese. Or a, yeah. Or a smoky anything. Yeah, absolutely, because certainly it's a good... Dreambird have made a good wine, and we may not be getting the best out of this because we haven't paired it with something. Because Malbec is definitely something that pairs well. Yeah. And there's a lot of recommendations that can be made for pairing Malbec. Yeah, it's a uh, umami lover. Like... uh... It doesn't have a because it doesn't have a super long finish. It's great with lean meats like uh, I don't know, even um, like chicken. Really, you you could definitely have this with a roast chicken. Yeah, chicken probably with a with a steak. Yeah, oh, definitely with a steak, mm. like a, a smoky mushroom sauce. Yeah, or a pepper sauce, 
or even a uh, a rich beef jus. That would be awesome to pair it with this. Um, you could also pair it with a burger. Yeah. Like a big meaty burger. Uh, I wouldn't recommend like a Aussie hamburger with a lot because that's got pineapple and beetroot and that would... And those sweet flavors wouldn't work. No, it'd hide the sweetness of the Malbec. Um, oh, how funny. It, it, this article says, look for spices that have an earthy or smoky flavor. No wonder that cheese went so fucking yeah, well. <laughs> because it pairs well with things that have an earthy or smoky flavor, yeah. and that's exactly what they did. Yeah. So, yeah. Earthy, smoky flavors are the are the ticket. So, porcini mushrooms, uh, rosemary, thyme, cumin, vanilla bean, uh, juniper, green onion, barbecue sauce, uh, roast vegetables. So, things that are on the heavier end of mm. the flavor side. So, I did just find, and mm. you should try this, yes. that inhaling through my nose, smelling it as I was drinking it, All right. improved it. So like inhale while you inhale through the nose while you while you drink. You definitely get more out of it by mm. doing it that way. Yeah. Mm. I think the the blend, because we were also drinking it last time through something that had uh, well, through a different shaped glass. Yeah, and we, as we you've know, got much bigger glasses mm, than I do. And as we know from our sparkling white episode, <laughs> the, the the glass makes a big difference. Yeah, not just to fizz, but to flavors and smells. And smell. So perhaps that was the thing because you've got you got really big red wine glasses, and these are slightly smaller. Mm, well, they're they're very they're quite narrow. Yeah, for red wine glasses. Yeah. yeah. Sort of explain. We need, we should do a red wine glasses episode too. We should yeah. see see what the difference is there, well, and once again, yeah, and probably find ourselves feeling like we're hating ourselves the next day from a red wine hangover. Well, I, I was going to say hating ourselves when we're drinking it out of a tumbler. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, when, yeah, yeah, when we're drinking it out of a Collins uh, highball. We're, we're, we're sorry, dream mm, life. Yes, just going. Oh yeah, mate. You know, pretty good, eh? <laughs> yeah, I I felt like I was committing a crime drinking the sparkling out of a highball. Yeah, because it it does feel like you should have bought it in a cask from the bottle line. <laughs> the bottle line. Yeah. Um. So, how many bottle caps would you rate this? Now that we've Ooh. been sitting on it for a while. Now we've been sitting on it for a while, and I think we've pretty safely established that the problem is. The glass that we've not potentially with anything potentially yeah, but as as it stands right now, I probably only rate this two and a half. Oh, of... Wait, are we rating out of ten or five? I think it's out of ten. Is this? I think we've done both. I think we've. Yeah. I think we've mixed it up. Shit. All right. So, so out of out of ten bottle caps, I'd only rate this about a four or a five, because like j- just right now hmm. as it is. Uh, I'm sure if we pair it with the right kind of food or appetizers, that will go way up. Yeah, and if we drink it out of the right glass. Or a better glass. Or a better glass, yes. Because this is not not the wrong glass. It's not the wrong glass, it's just not the best glass, I think. No. Yeah, because I would also probably put it around a five 
five or six. Okay. But then I, I quite like the mouthfeel that I get from this, and the glass isn't going to change that. No. Interesting. But the um, the notes, like the the smelling notes and the tasting notes will definitely be affected by the glass and by a pairing. Yes. And, yeah, I think that could easily push it from a 5-6 up to a 8-9. Hmm. For me. Depending on the pairing in the glass. And depending on the pairing. Whatnot. Yeah. And, like, look, like all wines, it's going to depend on the region, on the year, on how you're drinking it. So don't take our word for it. Go make your own decision, dear listeners, because we can only recommend... We can only talk about it to a point, and you're going to have to come to your own conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. But, yeah, as I said, it's not bad, but not good, as it as it stands right now. Yes. Yes, as it stands right now, it's mid. Okay. It's okay. Mid-range. Yeah. Yeah. But you can definitely taste the, the complexity there. There's definitely... Mm. There's definitely complexity there, not unlike a, a cheap wine where it's just oh, a one-trick pony in terms yes. of flavor. It exists. And it, it, it's, it's wine. Yep. It has alcohol in it. <laughs> it tastes like grapes. It tastes wine-ish. <laughs> it tastes yep. wine-ish. Um, there's, there's depth in here, but I don't know. It's not my cup of tea, this particular wine. It's not my cup of cup of wine not my glass of wine Mm, Um, but if this is your podcast and you want to listen again in the future we'd love you to hit that hit that subscribe button smash smash that that like button (laughs) like all these youtube personalities say yes and of course you can find us as a good drop all about alcohol on apple podcasts google podcasts um uh, Spotify, Podbean. Uh, we're on your favorite RSS feed, probably. Um, if you want to find us on the social medias, we're terrible at the social media presence, but you can find us as a good drop podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you want to send us feedback, questions, comments, suggestions for future episodes, hit up our email address. Yeah, it's a good drop at gmail.com. And if you'd like to direct somebody to any particular episode or you just feel like downloading our entire backlog. Yeah, we've got a good old fashioned website, a gooddrop.com.au. So next week. Yes, next week we are back to having a blinder. Oh my god. It's it's a blind taste tester, thank you very much. We're not we're not on a blinder. Yes, we will be blind taste testing rum, which is basically the same thing. No, we're drinking responsibly here at a good drop podcast. Yes, drinking responsibly, (laughs) a a good responsible drop. Yeah, we're we're drinking drinking like this so you don't have to. (laughs) Right. Yes, that's 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 how we'll do it. Yeah. So blind taste testing rum. Yeah. What kind of rum could it be? Who knows? Well, that's it. We we won't know. There'll be three, and they could be. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Because we've got yeah, we've got white rum, we've got amber rum, and we've got spiced rum. Spiced rum, yeah. And admittedly, if there's one of each, we'll be able to tell which is which, but how easily will we tell where how? they sit? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm keen. Yeah. 
Be sure to tune in for that one. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>